Hi, I'm Steve, your host of It's All About Her. It is a show sponsored and inspired by Her Spirit Vodka, the vodka that gives half back to her. I interview women entrepreneurs in different phases of life and business to see what makes them tick and what we might have in common with these successful women. Get ready to be inspired by these great stories. Hello, everyone. In this episode, it's all about her. You meet Julie Keats. She is both a certified exit planning advisor and business consultant, working with owners of companies ranging from three to thirty million in revenue. We're looking to grow and improve their businesses while they prepare for a future transition. Julie shares her vast experience and knowledge with us. I had a great time talking with her, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, Julie. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. How great. are you doing? I'm, I'm great. It's finally spring. Yes. <laughs> kind of. Yes. Well, we're working on it, right? We're working on it, yeah. right. So, um, all right, so you own and run Key Strategies. Correct. Tell, tell me what that's about. Key Strategies is a business consulting firm and exit planning firm. So I provide business growth strategy work, consulting work, business improvements, um, strategic growth planning, team building, um, and then exit planning. I'm a certified exit planner. So I want to talk about exit exit planning, but yeah. I, but um, how? So you're like someone can go to you and fill any void in their business because I know a lot of entrepreneurs are um, not experts at everything mm-hmm. we don't we are the sometimes the creative sometimes the right so um, so can you look at a business and see or talk to a business owner and see that void I'm pretty good at that all right actually yeah, I've been doing it for a while now so um, and I know and I'm very clear that business owners are not good at everything. No one is. No. No one is, right? Um, I think that the the key to being a good, successful entrepreneur is being able to bring in people that do things better than you do in certain areas, right? You know what your strengths are, but you need right. to know where you're weak. So strong self-awareness is really important. And if your values align, then I think that it makes it for like a really great experience to be a business owner. When you've got other people that can help you implement, like we talked about earlier, where you have a lot of ideas, but you need to right. be able to hand the ball off to somebody, right? right? To actually implement. That's very common. Somebody needs to get it done. Right. right. But entrepreneurs have lots of ideas. Right. And you can't, you don't have bandwidth, right, to be able to implement them all. So right. So having someone that you can actually say, hey, I want you to take and run with this. That's the magic. And you, so I'm the, I'm the creative side. I'm the never get it done kind of guy. So, but um, I, I always struggled with giving up when you give it to someone you're losing that creative control and i don't want i and i'm yeah. not a control freak i'm yeah. i'm more of a um i think creative are more controlling over the idea yeah. and do you find that you find that different with men versus women on giving up the control um or is it just no. that that breed of entrepreneur yeah i think entrepreneurs are trailblazers yeah right? um as mavericks, Risk takers. I am one. Yeah, yep. and so we we tend to have a different way of looking at the world than people that are content working for someone else. And let's face it, there's no right or wrong with either one. Everyone's just wired differently. Yep. And the world needs both. Right. Um, but one thing that entrepreneurs do struggle with is delegation. Like, there's a lot of different reasons why. You know, like you just said, you know, you want to make sure that you can see through the, you know, make sure that the idea gets implemented the way you you envision it to be. Right. 
Um, but you don't always have the bandwidth to do that, right. right? And so I think that when you're talking about a small business, at least this is what my experience is with my clients, um, when we're working on plans and implementing plans, we have people who are um, the idea folks, and then we have the people who are the implementers or the integrators. And we check in every couple of weeks or every month, however often we meet. We have a certain meeting cadence. And during the meeting, that's the whole conversation is, let's you know get updated on this project. How's it coming? Um, where are we at with it? What are our issues? What are we struggling with? Sure. Um, do we need to take a different path? That kind of thing. And so the originator of the idea gets you know a fresh pair of eyes and a fresh perspective on what's going on and obviously can provide input and then go off and have another idea because they will. Right. And it, well, that's what I find um, my, I struggle with is I go from one idea to another and my wife's like, slow down. I haven't even heard the first one and you're already <laughs> on to the second one, and, which is really tough on... Yeah. Um, when you're trying to be productive yeah i know and um and especially with um creating a brand when you create something from scratch yes and it's and you're in a you're scatterbrained in a hundred different directions i talked to a a friend of mine that has a pr company and i said you know i was thinking about having him do our social media and he goes i looked at your social media he goes what are you doing (laughs) i go well i'm kind of using any shiny object you know (laughs) to get attention and he goes yeah well it's not you know and it's not and it's you know uh, I think there's entrepreneurs and there's brand builders and there's different um, sure. types of people that look at things. And it's, um, I'm really, I think as I get older, I'm much better at taking advice. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're, you know, the young entrepreneurs really feel like they know what they're doing and don't need as much advice. Have you found that? or um, Sometimes. Yeah. I, th- I find that in all age groups. I think that if you're getting older and you realize that you need advice, then you've, you've become wise. Sure. Right. And um, so, but there are plenty of baby boomer owners out there, primarily who my clientele are, um, that aren't necessarily good at taking that advice. So they may or may not retain me. They may retain me for the wrong reasons. They may retain me for the right reasons and realize that they do need help. But many times, you know, understanding that you need help is um, kind of what you get to a place where the pain level is higher than what you can handle. Sure. And you're really not sure what's next, right? Yeah. So there will be no change until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of the change. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's everything in life, that's I guess. That's just life. Yeah. Exactly. That Did, is just Do life. you have an ideal customer that's just your wheelhouse? Like you can see um, you can see a business and you're like, okay, this suits me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to mm-hmm. do good things for them and they're going to be receptive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What is that? What does that well, customer look like? Yeah. Um, well, as far as industry is concerned, I'm pretty industry agnostic. I don't um, tend to specialize in any industry, and I would have to say that the work that I do is more general in terms of you know planning and implementation, accountability, mentorship, that kind of stuff. Um, and so, as far as business size is concerned, doesn't matter if it's a woman-owned or a man-owned business. I work with both. I have both yeah. for clients. I'd have to say revenue size somewhere between three and thirty million. Yep, I've worked with companies smaller than that. Um, generally, they don't hire me to work with them because they can't afford to work with me. Sure. Um, but many times, when they really are on a trajectory and they really want to grow, they're they're fine with making the sacrifice to pay the fees so that they can get to where they want to go. Sure. The truth is, is that the majority of the businesses in this country are lifestyle businesses. 
So people really aren't interested in growing it into an asset that they can sell someday. Right. You know, enter exit planning, which is what I do. Right. So um, when you say lifestyle business, I know what I think that is. What, is, what does that mean to you? Yeah. And just. Sure. Um, lifestyle business just means that it maintains and manages your lifestyle for you. Right. Right. You use it as a catalyst to be able to travel and buy cool cars and write off your a lot of your personal expenses. That's what a lot of entrepreneurs do. They may or may not have employees. If they do, they probably don't have more than five sure. employees. Um, they probably aren't any greater than a million or so in revenue. But the ones that really have started a business and decide that they want to build it into an asset or maybe they started out with that goal from the very beginning are looking at the end right, right. so I am building this company because I see it as an asset I want to grow it just like any other asset if I'm going to invest in the capital markets or real estate or whatever yeah and at some point I'm going to transition out of it and I'm going to go on to my next act whatever that is right start another business volunteer um invest in other companies, whatever that looks like. Yep. Depends on the person. And so if you find yourself owning a business that isn't necessarily an asset, and we can talk about what that looks okay. like in a second, right? there are ways that you can build it into an asset that you can sell. Or not. Maybe you don't. But you, you've got the option. Sure. You know, yeah. My whole thing with people, whoever they are, whatever business they're in, is I want to help them figure out what their options are. There's nothing worse than having no options. Right. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're not optimizing what your future could look like. Um, you're backed into a corner and you have to take action. And that sucks. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm um, somewhat of a gambler. So True. I, um, yeah. I, um, I mean, I don't gamble, but I do in business. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, we spoke about the brewery off, off air, but uh, that was one of those, it was either go big or go home. And yeah. I got to five years and it wasn't big. And I'm like, okay, let's yeah. just sell and move on and to the yeah. next idea which is you know right. spirit vodka yeah and um but um and it's and that's a, i mean i've kind of i put a lot of value in the idea yeah so like um with her spirit vodka i think god the the idea is so solid you know it's if you it don't is. get to a certain threshold of success then it's not the then you didn't do the idea justice you know what i mean so i kind of look at it um kind of backwards not as not as focused on what's the what's my what's my number but what's what's my um commitment to that sure. idea what's your vision for what it could really be yeah. and look like yeah because you guys are in a business where you want to make some major impact right. in society yep and so you're basically a social enterprise if you will yep right yep yeah and i look at my work as an exit planner especially as a social enterprise yeah i'm not a nonprofit. right however the work that i do is very impactful yeah, and I so when you look at a business because I you must see this very often because I you hear of a business being sold or you you know of a business and it's sold mm -hmm. and you're like that's all they that's all they got for that and yeah. that's and you're like you know is that because um, there's no thought put into it and how long does it take to because what what I see my experience with business owners is I see a lot of young people get into business thinking they're going to sell their business for twenty million dollars in five years, oh. and then I see a lot of older people that have a lot of value in their business, but they're not innovative enough to take it to the next level and sell it, and they don't want to. Sure. You know, they they may be in the the lifestyle rut, but they I think they also get their ego involved and yeah, and um, that's their identity is their business. Very much. Do you so. find that a lot? You're absolutely right. Um, I think if there's one issue that prevents business owners from having a successful exit, 
is the how they view their business as their identity, like you just said. Yeah. And when it when we talk about exit planning, like when I went through the certification process, one of the things that was actually part of the curriculum was learning how to create a life plan for the owner so they don't sabotage their own deal right. and their own future. Because they really can't imagine life without their business. Who am I without it? And so a sense of relevancy in production is huge right. for after it's over. So did you kind of have to learn how to mass A those egos and get around it without... I mean, because I know a lot of guys in the... Um, in, uh, that do consulting. Mm-hmm. And they, are, they will be very direct. You have and, to be. And um, owners, you know, don't like it, but if they respect you and they're in it for mm-hmm. the right reasons, they, they'll, you know, if you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but well. So are you very very <laughs> direct or do you, uh, you kind of mess around the ego or I suppose you have to do both? I think it depends on the person. Sure. You know, when I'm starting a relationship, I'm going to frame it in such a way that they need to know that our conversation is going to be candid. And I need them to be completely frank with me. Yep. Um, I can help them more the more I know. And the more that they hide from me, I, there isn't a whole lot that I can do. But a lot of times when it comes to having particular um, traits in their personality or things that they tend to miss, like say, for instance, they reschedule meetings a lot or you know, they don't meet with their team very often and their team says things to me like, well, I, I don't really know where I stand. You know, then I know that there's a communication issue. So if there's a communication issue internally, that means that there's one externally. That means there's probably one going on right inside their own head. Right. And so then I really know what I have to deal with and what I can do to try to help. But really, you know, any kind of relationship's a two-way street. Yeah. So there's only so much I can do. And if they really don't want, you know, to help themselves and figure out what's next for their next act, whatever you want to call it, um, there isn't a whole lot I can do. So not everybody's coachable. Sure. And um, truthfully speaking, most people will not hire me. Really? And, yeah. And why is that? Just Because they're afraid. Sure. They're afraid. What are they afraid of? The, they're afraid um, of change? The, the change. Oh, big time. That's a yeah. human, very human, right? We're all yeah. afraid of change. Um, there's some of us that like change for change's sake, but that's not always a good idea either, right? right? So they're af- afraid of change. They're afraid of loss whatever that perceived loss is, whether it's real or imagined. They're afraid of a loss of identity. They're afraid of a loss of control. So sure. lots of losses that they're afraid of, especially when it comes to talking about exit. Sure. And, and we just got to be like honest with each other. Let's talk about this. You know, what could we do to, to deal with this? And it, how, how would it make you feel better? What would it look like if you weren't afraid anymore? Right. So do you feel um, a bit like a counselor? Mm-hmm. Because it's, I mean, um, uh, I have a friend that's in some of what of your business, um, but he's like, it's like marriage counseling. Yeah. Um, it's like a family counseling, you know, when you get a, a especially when you get top, uh, all the top level people in a room. Yeah. And you have, you have the implementer there, you have the idea and, and no one, um, and nobody communicates to each other. Yeah. And it's just basically like, um, well, you know, a poor family structure. I know. Well, family business that happens quite a bit because there's so there's so much going on there, right? Lots of dynamics in a right. family business. Many times you've got they're not just shareholders in a business, so they wear that hat, but they also wear the hat many times of an employee, so they have a, a job within the business. Not all do, but a lot of them do. And then and then oh by the way, they happen to be leadership right in the business. Right. They have that, and they're all family members. Right. And they're trying not to ruin Thanksgiving. Right. But they pretty much already have anyway. 
Sure. Right? And so when it gets to be really deep, that's when I need to call on like a family business psychologist or someone like that. Sure. And I do, and I have. Oh, do you? And I do. Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. I'm not trained that way. I'm not licensed for that. And when it gets to be to a point where it's beyond my wheelhouse and my capacity, just like anything else, you know, I'll I'll notice, like say for instance on the legal end, I'll notice when um, a buy sell agreement hasn't been updated in a long time, or they don't even have one, um, and an estate plan hasn't been updated, an agreement hasn't been updated, the language is wrong. I'll notice those things. Yeah. But I'm certainly not going to be the one to draft the documents. We're going to bring in an attorney to do that. Sure. Just like, you know, with financials, right? I can read financials, but I'm not going to go in and make any corrections. I'm not a CFO or CPA. So you have to be careful about where you tread when you're a consultant. You just have to have, like, you know, you got to have that big picture and, and be able to know where you need to look and what questions to ask. And then when it comes to a point where it's beyond what you're capable of doing, at least in my opinion, part of my job is to bring in the right person to take care of it. Right. So when it comes to exit planning, um, that's the, one of the biggest jobs of exit planning is to have that that team of advisors when the owner doesn't have those relationships that they need. Yeah. Because I, no one advisor has all the answers. It's too complicated. Right. But so with you a kind team... Of- yeah, so you kind of put a team together for an I, exit I do, when, when, when the owner needs it, yeah. You know, a lot of times they'll have, like, a relationship with an accountant that they've worked with since forever. Right. But that accountant may or may not have the background that we need in order to facilitate a strong business succession. Yep. Um, maybe they don't do valuation either. And so my approach would be, well, we don't need to get rid of that relationship. You can maintain and keep that relationship, but maybe we bring someone else in for this particular exit planning transition project, right? So it's right. a both and yeah. versus either or. Do you have a um, do you have a favorite success story that you came into a business and you um, walked away saying, "Wow, that was a great experience," and I really helped them out. I'm in the middle of one right now that is really exciting. Um, yeah, I have several stories. Um, so one female uh, uh, talking about women business owners I love working with women business owners I'm writing a book for women business owners right now it's called poised for exit so it's focused on exit planning for women because I lived through that myself and so I can share some stories from my own perspective as well as my clients but anyway so this particular owner bought a business from the founder and owned it for 15 or 16 years yeah. She brought me in to help her with growth and improvement strategies, you know, grow top line revenue, grow bottom line revenue, you know, those kinds of things. And so we did for a period of like four years, we worked together Yeah. and brought the value of the business up. And she sold the business, moved to Florida and started a consulting business, kind of doing what I do. Sure. And I helped her get it started because I just nice. said, you know, you, she didn't know what she was going to do. Right. And, and I just said, well you could totally do what I do and you should. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We like before we ended our relationship, I helped her get her business going and and now she operates it from both Minnesota and Florida. Oh, back really? and forth. Yeah. Yeah, she's a rock star. Does um is it important to um when you're a consultant to have the experience of owning a business prior and be in the shoes of the entrepreneur, do you, th- do you think? I mean, you're not an entrepreneur being a consultant, yeah. but to um to run the brick and mortar at one point or I mean, do you um, do the owners really care if you have the experience, or is it just about their story? That's a really good question. I think that for me, it has been a huge differentiator. Yeah. Um, 
because a lot of people who are business consultants approach it from like a financial angle or you right. know um, management angle, MBA angle, whatever, and that's all cool. That's great. Those credentials are you know very important and very valuable. But I think that being able to empathize with you when you tell me things like. Um, I have this long-term employee that I have to fire, and I, I, I'm just not sleeping at night because I, I know I need to do it, but I just don't know what to do or how to do it. Right. Or I'm growing faster than I can keep up with. Or business has been so slow I can't even pay myself this week, right? Yeah. I've lived through all of that. Sure. And so I think that it's almost like when you're talking to someone who has been through the same kind of illness or the same kind of other life Right. Issue, that right? Can a divorce, to it. or you know what I mean—a yep. loss of a child, whatever it is—just to be able to have that relationship back and forth. I think, and as far as the business owners go, I think that there are some who appreciate it more than others, and it really depends on what they're looking for. Sure. If they're looking for someone who's had that experience that can come in and be that empathetic partner, walk alongside them and help them think things through, um, then I'm the right person or someone like me. But if they're looking more for someone with um, financial analyst type angle or someone with more of a managerial operations type angle then I wouldn't be the right person so the so you come across as many different customers with different needs as, as there are different consultants out there right. because you see more of the um, operational relationship high uh, top level here's what you know here's what the team needs to look like it's that Correct. Yeah, that and and what could the, what could the team do to be able to help the owners implement their strategies and plans better? Sure. So that it's not just on them, because I really believe in a strong team approach, having the right people in the right seats, um, and having accountability. You know, um, so say for instance, one of my clients' manufacturing client just had this conversation around developing a new sales process because we're bringing in some new salespeople. And we, you know, want to have a regular meeting to talk about putting the sales process together and putting this training process together because it's really complicated. I mean, they, they sell a lot of customized parts. Yep. And any salesperson would need extensive training. Well, the folks that are helping me put this together are not involved in or not going to be involved in all of the training. They can't be. It's not possible. Right. But they are the lead, right? So my, our conversation was, okay, you're the lead. This, these are the training components that we've decided need to take place. It's your job to find your training team. Sure. You find the training team. You make them accountable. You have regular meetings with them to check and make sure that the new hire is getting what they need. Um, and then, you know, report back to the leadership on how things are going. So yeah. kind of like where the buck stops. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I always find, um, especially in family businesses, that people have um, issues holding people accountable and especially consistently because um it's kind of uh it's you know it's a family um atmosphere and it's like all of a sudden they want stuff done well you if you're not holding someone accountable as you go along and you just draw a a line in the sand all of a sudden right it's hard to it's hard to expect you know it's yeah that's the one thing i find um most common with poor managers is their expectations Mm -hmm. um they they are not communicating what their expectations and it's the um, true it's, it's all in their easy. head yeah yeah it's right. a, and they should know you know a lot of uh, or managers will say well they yes. should know you know right. they're seeing how it's done well yeah. not a, not if they're not being communicated to um, exactly so, yeah. yeah they don't know what's in your head right. I run into that a lot 
And, you know, basically what that boils down to is if you may have someone who really just doesn't have what it takes to be a good manager. Right. They're put into a position to manage, but they just don't have what it takes. Well, especially with startups and entrepreneurs. Exactly. Entrepreneurs aren't not, well, not necessarily a um, manager. I was a terrible manager. Yeah. You know, I really was. I'm more of a leader than a manager. And there's a difference between being a leader and a manager. A leader uh, obviously provides a good example, makes sure that everybody's, you know, kind of got their plan dialed in, checks in on progress and things like that, but they're off forging a path. Right. And managers are the ones that are, like, implementing the plan and making sure that people are getting their work done and solving for issues and those kinds yep. of things, right? Have more, the tools to get the job right, done. More right, more of the minutiae, day-to-day kind of stuff. Um, you know, hiring, firing reviewing those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, when I managed, I always said, I always told my um, employees, I said, my only job is to make sure you can do your job. Mm-hmm. To provide whatever you need. So, um, and in, you know, obviously know what that job is. Um, yeah. So where do you find your, where do you find your customers? I mean, it's got to mm-hmm. be, um, I mean, I know there's a list of businesses out there, but how do you, how do you go out and hustle yeah. them up? Yeah. Well, it took a while to, to fill my pipeline, right? It took sure. me a lot of time and energy, um, but, Primarily, I would have to say that through my speaking and teaching, I do a lot of speaking, so I get all, I usually get clients from different presentations okay. that I give, and then I'm also um, well connected within the professional world, so I have a lot of wealth managers, CPAs, attorneys, investment bankers that know me, that know what I'm gotcha. capable of doing, and then they have clients that need my help. So. Between the speaking engagements and the you know professional relationships, and of course referrals from past clients. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let's let's talk about the exit strategy. Sure. Since we're going to exit the interview. Sure. Um, sure. So, how 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 far into a business? So, you know, we're dealing with startup. My wife and I. Yeah. And um, very exciting. So you're you know you're always thinking in the back here. Someone always mentions it when they see a hot a hot brand or something, what they perceive as hot brand. I yeah. always have a, um, a joke with my uh, all my friends that own businesses. I said, you know, we should just start a t-shirt business that says, I own a business, so I must be rich. Because everyone assumes <laughs> if you own your business, you are rich, right? Of course. Yes, um, they do, right? And uh, so, you know. <laughs> you can just great. write a check to yourself yeah. anytime you yeah. want. Great to be a business owner. Oh, it's a tax write-off. Well, you got to make money before you can take a tax write-off, okay? Exactly. Um, so, so, um but you know you you do think about that and i mean um i have started businesses to and designed that okay i don't want to be in this business this long and uh, but you know to do that from a startup is just you know it's a huge gamble you yeah. know um where where i'm sure you have to be in you know you have to get to a point but um but i also believe that there is probably fundamentals that you can set that you can start um implementing from the start of your business knowing that you're going to sell it. Is mm-hmm. that true? What, yeah. What would something, so if you're, um, how long, what would be something you would do at the beginning and how long in advance do you go to someone like you saying, I want to sell, it's not probably six months. I don't know. Sure. Um, is it a year? I mean, I know that um, yeah. there's a different way to look at financials when you're in the business or when you're looking to sell the business things yeah, like th- that there are um, yeah there's um, all kinds of issues there like two or three different um, ways that we could go with answering those questions so um, to talk about to, we'll, we'll go back right so your first question was how do you set it up from the very beginning as yeah. an asset that you can sell someday well I think that um, mindset for one 
I mean, starting out with the right mindset and having growth mindset sure. versus fixed mindset, which is a great book, by the way. Um, well, you know, I, I've sorry, heard, I keep I heard, saying um all the time. That's all right. <laughs> I I don't notice. I normally um, don't do that, that when but, I'm speaking, um, but for you know, some reason today, um, now I'm going to um, 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 I have heard, and I kind of um, can relate to this, is if you're in a business to sell it, you'll never sell it. If you start a business to never sell it, you're probably going to end up selling it. It's, and and the mindset was, and I think it was from an investment um, an investment guy, he says, I will never invest in um, a business that they're building to sell. I want to know that the founder is in it forever. And doesn't mean that they won't sell the business. But mm-hmm. he, uh, So um, do you ever see that mindset where, I mean, do you agree with that at all? Or do you, is that? To a certain extent, I do. I think it depends on you know what the what the business owner really wants from does he want is the he or she do they are they building the business because they're trying to create their own employment and create a job right. for themselves or are they looking at it as something that they could really build and be proud of and stay engaged or not right sure. so regardless of whether you sell it or don't sell it setting it up to be something that you could uh, just expands your options Right. Or the time when opportunity knocks, if it does. Because if it knocks and you're not ready, you just lost it. Right. That's why it's important to set it up right away. Which, What does that look like? Well, what it looks like is um, a business that aligns really well with uh, strong values and culture. Because sure. you want to make your decisions based on what your values are. Yep. And you'll make really good business decisions and good hiring decisions if you tie them to what your values are. So I always encourage my owners to articulate what their values are right away. Because right. the values are going to drive the culture, which drives the purpose, which drives all the decisions. And yep. it all comes back full circle. Right. And if, if the decision is to never sell and create a legacy business, then that's dandy. Sure. Right. It really depends on what you want. And if it's meant to be a lifestyle business, that's fine too. Just right. know that at the end of the day, you're going to close and lock the door and walk away and from it. And that's it. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yep. So, so building that. And then what was your other question about setting it up for exit how, or how do you yeah, do the exit? If you're, if you're running a business, how, and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, okay, my kids aren't interested, you know. Um, yes. How, how, that how, how long, when should I come to you? A year ahead of time? Mm. Two years ahead of time? Or? Mm. Good question. You know, um, when do you start make, doing the work? So I'll just give you rules of thumb, okay? Yep. So rule of thumb when it's not a family business. Ideally, we would like five to seven years. Okay. And I'll tell you why, okay? Um, if it's a family business, we want seven to ten years. Rule okay. of thumb. Yep. So if it's not a family business, why do we want five to seven years? Because almost always, here's what happens. Somebody comes to me and they say... I'm ready to sell my business. Like they've had conversations with themselves. They want to go do something else, right. whatever. Or they've had one of the five Ds. All right. So the five Ds are death, divorce, disagreement with a partner, disability where they get, they're sick or they get in an accident, or disaster where they've had something happen, natural, man-made, cyber attack, whatever. But those are the five Ds. I think I've only had three of the five so far. Same. No. <laughs> so, so, so then they're forced to do something, right? Then right. they don't have a whole lot of time. Right. 
So we're, we're going to do whatever we can to get them readied and set up in case something does like that happen, right? 50% of businesses have one of the five Ds occur at least in the sure. life, lifestyle of their business. So, but they'll come to me and they'll say that they're ready to go and then we'll do some assessments and determine that the business isn't ready and neither right. are they. So in exit planning, two different distinctions. Owner readiness, business readiness. Sure. Owner readiness is financial preparation, right? Do they even yep. know if they're ready to retire? If they had to retire, do they have enough? Right. And they probably don't. Right. They also believe that their business is worth a lot more than it actually is. It's very common. Yep. And so if the gap between what the business is actually worth and what they need to be able to move on is very wide, then that time frame and being able to bring the business up to the value that they need, if it's possible to even do, sure. is going to be a two to four year time span yeah. or longer. Right. Most of my clients are with me for two to four years Okay. because of that very reason. Because huh. it's just not worth what they need. Right. Um, the business is too dependent on the owner. They don't delegate enough. And yep. so if he goes away or she goes away, the business goes away. Right. So we try to eliminate that. There's customer concentration issues where they've got, you know, 40 or 50% of their business is coming from one source. It's pretty scary. Right. So we try to de-risk, right? De-risk the owner's um, um Whatever they're, they're uh, we want to mitigate it, right? What, wherever those like red flags are that we see, whether it's legally or financially or personally, we try to mitigate that risk as much as possible. And then on the business side, the same. Right. And that's why it takes so long to do. And once the business is really running well and it doesn't need them as much anymore, I've had this happen where they're like, oh my God, I can take three weeks off. I can take a month off. You then just start- alleviated the stress. Exactly. Right. And so they practice. So then I encourage them, okay, well, if you're going to transition out of this someday, you should probably start practicing. So let's take a month off and see what happens. And so that's what we do. And then once they're able to take a month off and they've got other people running the show, then it's the pressure's kind of diminished, right, in terms of do I really need to sell right now? And so then we have to ask that question. Do we keep? Do we sell? Do we sell part of it? Do we do a recapitalization where we can build it, grow it? And stay engaged, you know, like sell some of the interest and then have second bite of the apple later. There's lots and lots of possibilities when you get to that point. Yeah, so you're so a lot of times it sounds like you get in there and you're just creating options for them, even though they think I got I have to sell. Yes, but they don't. Um, they may have be have been mismanaging their business. Yeah, to make it a little harder on a lot of owners, make it harder on themselves. I know. Yeah, so I know I lived that. All that. Time. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we didn't uh, we didn't get to talk about you at all. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but, you know, um, let's plan on when the book comes out to do sure. another interview. Absolutely. There was a lot of information I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. Wonderful. Well, I'd I appreciate it. That. Thanks a lot, You Steve. have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks to Julie for the great conversation. Check her out at keystrategy.com. And be sure to click on all her social media links. Big thanks to Sweet Peas in St. Paul for great food and drinks. Huge thanks to you for listening. If you want to help this podcast out, please give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to tell your friends if you like the show. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. Talk to you next